I'm going to just jump right in. We're doing a series on looking at Jesus' life, letting people see Jesus. And we've got to um, a, a, a really wonderful story. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm going to read it out of Mark chapter 2, verse 18, if you want to read it with me. Mark chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. So who's John? That's John the Baptist. Remember the great cousin of Jesus who was the prophet. Jesus called him the greatest prophet who ever lived. He was this wonderful, fiery man of God who came in the desert baptizing people, eating locusts and doing other weird things. But he brought in God's kingdom into Israel in a way that they hadn't seen for hundreds and hundreds of years. He was a prophet of God. And his disciples came to Jesus along with the disciples of the Pharisees. So this is a weird mix-up. It's the Pharisees who are the religious, God is not very nice kind of guys, and John, who's this great prophet. And his the two disciples were coming together to Jesus. These two groups of people joined forces to come and ask Jesus a question. It says, Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So can you imagine the scene? It's like um, some people from another church in another part of Jersey or another couple of different Christian groups or, or just groups just come to us and they say, why do you guys not do Lent? Or how come you, your pastors don't wear a clergy collar? Or why do you guys sing songs with drums and guitars? Or whatever. I mean, the list can go on and on. Why do your ladies not wear hats in church? Um, I mean, there's lots. The, Christ, the spectrum of Christian tradition is so wide, it's amazing. Um, I heard a story about two guys who met on a, on a bridge and um, the one was about to jump off and commit suicide, and the other one went up to him and he started talking, and it turned out they were both, they were both churchgoers. He says, really? Are you, the, the guy who's, who's trying to help the, the suicidal guy says, are you a, a Protestant or a Catholic? He says, oh, I'm a Protestant. He says, really? Um, are you a, a what, what denomination? He says, I'm a Baptist. He says, I'm a Baptist too. He says, are you Southern Baptist or Northern Baptist? He says, I'm Southern Baptist. I'm a Southern Baptist too. Are you Southern Baptist 7076 Convention or 1893 Convention? 1893 Convention. I'm also Southern Baptist 1893 Convention. Are you Southern Baptist 1893 Convention who practices dipping or, or full immersion? Full immersion. I'm one of those two. And this goes on and on and on. And eventually he says, but do you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or just in Jesus' name? He says, I, we baptize in Jesus' name. He says, ah, oh, you sinner, and he pushes him off the bridge. <laughs> Us Christians, just, we're weird. We love, to, we love to make these weird divisions and distinctions. I read somewhere there's 50,000 denominations at the moment. Isn't that amazing? 50,000. Amazing. So, the disciples of John the Baptist, who Jesus loved, he was his hero, and the Pharisees, who Jesus considered a 
bad guys, they both came with the same question. We both fast, but you don't fast. Why? How's Jesus going to answer this? Tricky. Because the Pharisees fasted. You know why the Pharisees fasted? It's a really weird reason. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, and when he came down, there was a 40-day interval. So they said, if he went up on a Tuesday, you count 40 days from there, you get to a Thursday. Therefore, we must fast on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And they made a rule about it. They said, you must fast Tuesdays and Thursdays because Moses must have been up for 40 days. So you see, what they did was they took what the Bible said and they interpreted it in a way to make a new rule that wasn't in the Bible. They said, you must fast twice a week. John the Baptist's disciples were fasting just because that was what John the Baptist was like. He was a kind of really austere, disciplined guy. He, you know, fasted. He didn't drink wine. He was very, um, he abstained from everything. Jesus, they called uh, a drunkard because they said he's always drinking with, with the sinners. He wasn't a drunkard, but that he was so different from John. And so John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples, they both fasted and they decided, let's go and ask Jesus, why don't you fast? And it says, verse 19, And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Verse 21. And now we're getting to the bit that I want to focus on today. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. So he's saying, if you've got an old pair of jeans and there's a tear in them and you get a brand new piece of cloth and you sew it on, because it's brand new cloth, it shrinks with time and it's going to tear and make the tear in the old jeans worse because they're already stretched and so you can't put new with old. But then he makes it even more clear in verse 22. He says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. What is that all about? Well, they used to make wine skins out of animal skins, out of goat skin. And it was a, a skin of an animal. And they would pour the new wine into it. And because it was a new wine skin, it was still flexible. And it could move around and it could expand. And the new wine would ferment and, and expand. And the gas would expand. And so the wine skin would grow and expand with the new wine. But after time, the wine skin became hard and stiff. And it couldn't move anymore. And so if you put new wine into an old wineskin, which was solid, the wine would expand, but the wineskin couldn't grow. And so the wineskin would burst. So Jesus said, you don't put new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. I want to look at this today and try and make it as practical as I can for you as an individual, for me as an individual, but also for us as churches. And I'm just going to make a few points. Number one, we need the new wine of God. Jesus came as new wine. God was doing a new thing. He was revealing himself in a new way. Now, God had never changed. The Bible says, I, the Lord, do not change. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. But, please hear me, we need to see new aspects of Him. 
depending on different times in our lives, depending on what God's doing around us, in the world, in church, and different things, we need to see new parts of Him. And so it looks to us like it's a new thing. And so um, in the 1500s, Martin Luther came along and he said, we need a new way of doing church. And he nailed onto a church door 90-something theses of what was wrong with the church. And one of them was that the priests shouldn't wear robes. He said priests should be just one, one of the people. We shouldn't have priests who wear these funny robes and funny things. We should all just be the same. And so he started a new thing. It was the Protestant Reformation. And he said, we're just going to wear a business suit. The, the preachers who preach in our churches are just going to wear a business suit. The, the old Catholic guys, they're wearing all these robes and funny smells and bells and all sorts of stuff. We're just going to wear a business suit. And there was many other things that he did. That's, that's the kind of picture that he's giving. Um, the weird thing is that if you go into a Lutheran church today and you see a Lutheran preacher, he's wearing robes. And you say, what's going on? I thought you said we mustn't wear robes. He says, no, no, we're wearing the same robes Luther wore. It's a business suit from the 1500s. See, us humans have this tennis, this problem of getting stuck in our ways, don't we? So Jesus came along with the new wine, and my first point is that we need the new wine of God. So point number one, we need the new wine of God. We need to be hearing, receiving, seeing, understanding new things that God is doing. Not that God has changed, but our understanding of Him is never fully complete. We need to always be seeing new things of Him. Are you okay with that? So far, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep asking if you're okay with me because by the end, it's going to get quite challenging <laughs> for all of us, me included. So we need new things. You know, when, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and all the guys were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues, you know what the people around them said? They said, oh, they've had too much new wine because new wine makes you kind of, whoa, and in Ephesians 5, verse 18, it kind of clarifies the whole picture. It says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need the new wine of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the things of God in a new way all the time. You know, the Bible says faith comes from hearing the message. Not from having heard the message, but from hearing. We need to always be hearing what God is saying to us, rather than living on something we heard 10, 20, 30 years ago, or, or what somebody else heard and has told us about secondhand, or somebody else's wineskin that's an old wineskin that's rigid and unchanging. We need the new stuff of God. And I need you guys to buy into that right at the start. It's important. <laughs> we need the new. We need to be open to the new. We get, we get stuck in our ways, don't we? Old wineskins are our default. Um, how many of you have been in a church where there's been just things that are sacred cows that you can't, you can't even suggest we're going to change them because everyone goes, <gasps> That's right. Uh, I've, been, I've been in a church where um, the, the place of the... the 
lectern and the piano and the organ was sacred. You couldn't move them. You couldn't, you couldn't move them. It was, what? God will strike us dead if we move the pulpit five centimeters to the left? Or what about pews, you know? Pews with people's names on them. Have you been in churches where people actually have their name, where they're going to sit? This is my family's pew. We have sat here for four generations. We will not sit anywhere else. It's amazing. We get so stuck in our ways. I heard a story about the lobster. The the lobster, every, every few months or years... It grows and it's got this hard outer shell and the outer shell is stopping it from growing anymore. And so what the lobster has to do is it has to get its big pincer hand thing and it needs to latch onto something like a rock under the sea and its hard outer coat splits and it sheds its outer coat and it breaks out because it's grown too big for its outer coat, and it breaks out, and it just floats around in the sea for a while, and it's all soft and vulnerable, and it's carried along by the currents of the sea, and it doesn't have a hard outer shell anymore, so it can't grip on things, and for a while it just floats, and it grows, and eventually that outer coat gets hard again, and then it carries on with its life, and then a few months later, the hard outer coat needs to be shed again, and it needs to go on. Unfortunately, many Christians, many, many of us, All of us, if we're honest, have things in our lives where we think, this is it, I'm not changing, and it's a hard outer coat that stops us from growing. And you know, we can point fingers at the traditional churches, but we're the same. (laughs) All of us are the same. So, you know, we, we, we play guitar in a certain way, or we have a certain style of music, or... You know, whatever it is, the way we dress, the way we talk, the way we sit, the way we organize things, we're all stuck in ruts, and we need to be open for the new wine. So, wineskins, old wineskins are our default, and they'll stop us receiving from God. There's... There's some amazing stories. I, I'm not going to go into all of them right now, but how the church has changed through the centuries and how some Christians have listened and heard something new from God, a new aspect of God, and the traditional church where they're in won't allow that change, and so they've had to change and break out. And it's just been a repeated pattern throughout the, throughout the centuries of Christian life. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. I just... I just want us to think about now, what about the wineskins? Jesus said there's new wine that he wants to bring and that we need to be flexible enough to have new wineskins. But let's just focus on this and exercise our minds for a few minutes. What is the wineskin? What was he talking about? In our context and in that context. In that context, he had John the Baptist coming to him And John the Baptist and his disciples were one wineskin. They were a way that God had revealed himself. The Pharisees were another wineskin. And then Jesus and the way he was doing things were another wineskin. Let's look at those three just for a few moments. Firstly, the Pharisees. 
God had started their religion off. God had given them the Ten Commandments. God had said, do this, build the temple in this way. He told them how to set up the wineskin. The whole of the Old Testament, He's given them the pattern of how to do their wineskin. You have sacrifices this time of the year. You have these festivals. You do things this way. It was a wineskin that was set up in a certain way. And was it from God? Yes, it was from God. The thunder and the lightning on the mountain, the earthquake, the smoke, the Ten Commandments, God instituted the wineskin, but they had added a whole lot of rules to it. They'd become rigid. They'd said, you can't do this. Um, you know, the Sabbath, for some reason, was a big deal for them. The Sabbath, that, you know, God had said it's a day of rest. They'd made it this legalistic thing. Even today, uh, religious Jews aren't allowed to use elevators because pressing the button on an elevator on the Sabbath day is work. I mean, the, you know, the amount of rules that they'd added to the rules that God had given, they'd made it into something that was so rigid and inflexible. And actually, I'm going to show you in a minute, Jesus said that they were sons of hell. Because what had happened was the wine that was originally in that wineskin had drained out. They'd never allowed any new wine to come in. And they were just the dry, empty husk of a wineskin left behind. Isn't that tragic? John, on the other hand, was a wineskin that God had breathed. God had said to John the Baptist's parents, this is going to be the, the messenger of the Lord who will prepare the way for God. And John had been told of the Lord, the one whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon. He is the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. He'll baptize with the Spirit and with fire. He was sent by God. It was a God-ordained wineskin, and he did things as God told him to do. But Jesus' wineskin was different. Jesus came with a different way. He laughed, he smiled, he ate and drank with sinners, he wore normal clothes, he went to normal places. He was different. He showed grace and truth. Um, his wineskin was different, but it was still of the Lord. I just want to say that wineskins are not necessarily evil. You see, sometimes when we read these kind of verses, we think, well, let's just have no wineskin. Let's just have no wineskin. Let's just have the new wine. We don't need a structure. We don't need any kind of wineskin to contain what God's doing. We'll just be like a lobster that just floats around forever, and we'll never have any structure. But Jesus said, you must have a structure. You must have a wineskin. In... Luke, Jesus said, No one having drunk the old wine immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. And in Mark chapter 9, he says, Don't put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins will break, the wine will be spilled, and the wineskins ruined, but we must put new wine into new wineskins, so both are preserved. Jesus was being very sensitive to speak to John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples because he knew that John's wineskin was good, the Pharisees' was bad, and he was trying to deal sensitively with both of them. But wineskins are not necessarily bad. 
He was saying, what John has done is good. Don't try and put my new wine into John's old wineskin because it'll break the wineskin. The wine will be spilled out and won't be of benefit. And the wineskin will be broken and that won't be benefited either. There's a very important lesson here. I believe God is saying to us, we need to be open for the new wine. We need to have wineskins, churches, that contain and, and administer what God is doing. But there's going to be different types of wineskins. And don't try and force your new wine into somebody else's old wineskin. Folks, I don't know about you, but this has challenged me very deeply. Very deeply. Jesus could have said, no, no, John is bad and the, the Pharisees are bad, and I'm going to come in and just change them both. But he didn't. He said, look, I'm respecting those different ways, but I'm doing it a different way here. A brand new wineskin. He's saying, I'm not going to pour my new wine into the existing structure, into the existing way of doing things. I'm going to set up a new way of doing things. I wonder if we get that. How many of you have ever been in a church, or uh, maybe it's not a common experience, but I've been in many churches where I have felt this is an old wineskin. <laughs> this is a traditional, inflexible, dead way of doing things. And because I've felt like that, other people in the church have kind of, we've been drawn to each other, and there's this whispering thing where we kind of act like secret agents, and we say, it's our job to fix and change this wineskin. We're MI6, we're the new secret agents from heaven, and we, I'm, I'm, my name is Donaldson, Greg Donaldson, Agent 00 Heaven, and I'm here, I'm going to tell you, if we can, I've got a message from the commander in heaven, those baddie leaders of the church, they're, they're the enemy, and we're going to change this wineskin from within. We're the ones with the new wine, and this church is an old wineskin, but we're going to change it. Jesus is saying, don't do that. He's saying, don't do that. Set up a new wineskin. <laughs> now, this is a radical teaching. This is radical. Most people say, what? Church unity. No, stick with it. Uh, let's, let's all just get into one big church and just let's be the same. Let's all... It's all, you know, we mustn't have little church splits going everywhere. No, no, no. We must all stay together. Jesus is saying, don't pour new wine into old wineskins. But he's not saying all old wineskins are bad. He says, I don't want the old wineskin to break. Let it be preserved, but let's make a new wineskin. Do you see what he's saying there? Let me read it to you again. He says, otherwise... The wineskins will break, the wine will be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But put new wine into new wineskins, and both will be preserved. He was concerned. He didn't want to break what God was doing through John the Baptist. Friends, I want to say, I'm different. I believe, and the way I believe church should be is different to many, many other churches. But they're different wineskins. I'm not saying they're wrong, they're just different. And it would be wrong of us to think we must all just be the same and just be together and try and change the existing one. 
Because who's to say God hasn't told them to do what they're doing? Who's to say that they're not doing a valuable and vital job for the kingdom in the way that they're doing it? But that doesn't mean I must change and be like them. We must just get lots of new wineskins going. Radical thinking. Really weird thinking. You know, people who say we must all be one, well then we must all just actually go back and be Eastern Orthodox because that was the original denomination. We should all just go back to the Coptic Church, you know, with their bishops and their Pope. The Catholics broke away from the Coptics, and then the Protestants broke away from the Catholics, and then the, you know the story. It's just gone down through the ages. And then the Methodists, and then the Baptists, and then the this, and then the that. And now there's 50,000 of us. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think we should call them denominations. But we should say we're one church, but look at all the wonderful varieties of wineskins that there are. Rather than saying, let's all push ourselves into one, because we can't be one. And Jesus wasn't telling them to be one. He was saying, let's make new wineskins for new wine. But we do need a wineskin. We do need something to contain what God is doing. Let me just say that there are times where the Pharisees, where Jesus was very harsh with the Pharisees. He considered their wineskin to be not acceptable. And let me just read to you a couple of things that Jesus said to them. Mark 7 verse 5. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat bread with unwashed hands? So they came to them and they said, You aren't, you aren't keeping this tradition of washing your hands before you eat. And we believe that's a very important religious thing that you must do. And Jesus answered them and said, Isaiah prophesied well about you, you hypocrites. <laughs> this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far, is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do, he said to them, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Jesus was incredibly harsh with the Pharisees. This story we've just read now about the new wine, he was very gentle, and that's because John the Baptist's disciples were there. But when he just had the Pharisees alone, he ripped them to shreds. He ripped them to pieces. Listen to this one in Matthew 23. There's a whole long passage. I'm just going to read a few verses. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You pay a tithe of your mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the Lord, justice and mercy and faith. These ought you to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? That's Jesus talking. Jesus never spoke like that to a sinner who came to him in adultery, demon-possessed, drunkard. Any of, the, any of the sinners that he came across, he was loving and he forgave. But the Pharisees, who came with religious wineskins, where they said, we are the only ones who write and we know how it should be done. And they were not representing God. He was incredibly harsh with them. 
He said, you cannot escape hell, you brood of vipers. John the Baptist's disciples, who were just different wineskin, but of God, he said, don't pour new wine into there. Let's pour it into a new wineskin and let's keep this one safe. Can you see the difference? It's very important. Now, how does this relate to you and me? Number one. I'm just going to make five quick points here. I think it's five. Number one, you and I need to be open to the new things of God. What beliefs, what traditions, what habits have you got into where you've become inflexible? Where in your life have you got to where you say, this is it, God has spoken to me, nothing will change it, and this is the way I do it, and I don't care what anyone else says, this is me. Be careful. There's always something new of God to learn. There's always some new aspect of God. There's some new thing that you can see and learn and understand. And God can change things dramatically, quickly. Be ready for that. Be open to it. Say, Lord, I'm ready. Maybe force yourself. Force yourself to sit in a new place in church on a Sunday. To worship in a different way than you normally do. To sing songs you don't normally sing. To talk to people you don't normally talk to, to pray in a different way, to read a different version of the Bible, do things differently, to try and mix it up, to say, Lord, I don't want to be set in a rut. I don't want to be an old wineskin. Number two, how are you treating people who think differently to you? Other Christians who have different traditions, how do you treat them? Do you treat them with respect and love? And say, I'm not going to try and pour my new wine into your old wineskin. I'm going to respect your wineskin. It's fine. Bless you. I don't agree with you. I'm not the same as you. But bless you. Keep singing those songs that you sing with that funny instrument that you use. And wearing those funny bells and dresses and old-fashioned clothes. That's bless you. But it's not for me. But you do your thing. That's good. That's what God wants. He doesn't want lots of clones. He doesn't want exactly the same Christians all over the planet. He wants variety who love and respect each other. That's awesome. What about us as a church? We've got to be open for change. We've got to be crying out for change. We've got to be saying, Lord, give us new understanding. Show us what you're doing. We should mix things up. You know, we try as a church to mix things up quite a lot. We change the seating direction. We... Uh, sometimes ask the life groups to mix up and we change life groups around so that people don't get too set in their ways. We try to do worship differently. We just try to do different things just because we want to be flexible and say, Lord, we never want to get so stuck in our ways that we're not open to what you're doing. And then if you are feeling that it's your job to change our church, Bless you, but don't do it here. Just go and do it somewhere else. <laughs> we, we're a wineskin. We're not a perfect wineskin. But you know what? God has given us an instruction. He's given us things to do. He's given us ways of doing it. We're open and listening and saying, Lord, guide us. We want to be flexible. But at the end of the day, if we've got people working in, in our midst against us, saying, no, no, this is the new wine. No, no, this is the way God's doing No, no, this. Then we... A house divided itself will fall. A house that's divided will fall. We need to say, we're working together with this. If this isn't your wineskin, that's okay. 
I fully accept and understand that. But don't stay here then. Don't stay here if this isn't your wineskin. We need to be united and we need to be moving forward. As a church, we want to be flexible. We want to respect and love others. And we want to ask God and beg for the new wine. You know, the new wine that Jesus brought was absolutely beautiful. It was wonderful. It changed and healed so many people's lives. We need that. I don't ever want to get to the stage where we're still saying things about prophecies that happened five years ago. Or we're still teaching things that, you know, telling stories. Oh, that happened so many years ago. Remember that? Yeah, that was great. What about what's happening today? What's God doing today in our midst? How is he guiding? What's the latest thing that God's showing us? How is he directing us now? Not what happened long ago. Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Or was it an event that happened 20 years ago and nothing's happened since? Are you hearing God's voice regularly, giving you new insight, new instruction? Or is it just something that's an old, dusty textbook from a long time ago? Are you willing? Are you open? Are you ready for God's new wine? Let's pray together.